0: Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey.
1: Because I'm so all about making prayer doable, and I think sometimes when you just take one verse, like 1 Thessalonians three twelve says, may your love increase and overflow for each other. You know, if you're feeling a little tension in your marriage, maybe you just spit that one out. God, help our love increase and overflow for each other. And you've prayed.
0: Well, Jody Burnt joins us today to share how you can pray more effectively, more often in your marriage, and uh, this is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller.
2: John, it's said that uh, praying in your marriage is one of the most important things you can do, and yeah, I've tried it both ways. You know, Gene and I, we got busy, and, you know, we'd go through long stretches where we weren't praying together, and I think that is kind of disastrous. And then when you do pray together consistently, it's amazing how that just... I don't know, rub some of the edges off mm. in terms of those hot buttons that yeah. you can push, right? And so today we want to talk about that. One of the great statistics in Jody's book says that married couples who pray daily have less than a 1% divorce rate. Mm. So, how about that for a silver bullet when it comes to uh, keeping your marriage together and moving forward in a healthy way? Let me add to a young woman said to me the other day, whenever I hear in Christian communication, Someone talking about marriage, they talk about how hard it is to work at your marriage. Let me kind of debunk that a little bit. The reason we talk about that is because you want to have a marriage that's really good, right? So it takes a little work. You know, if you want to be in shape, you got to go to the gym, that kind of thing. So it's not a burden. These are things that we want to equip you with so that your marriage could be the best it can be. Mm -hmm. So if you're hearing, oh, it's hard work to be married, it's Awesome to be married. And uh, it does require some work, but that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it, it really is a wonderful gift to be married. And uh, we're going to talk with Jody. Uh, she's been here a number of times. She's a public speaker, a Bible teacher, author of the best selling Praying the Scripture series. And this is an extension of that series. Uh, The new book that she has is called Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage. I love the idea of praying scriptures. This is a fantastic resource for you and your spouse, and you can learn more about the book and about Jody at our website, and that's focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast.
2: Welcome back, Jody. So good to see you.
1: Thank you so much, Jim. It is a delight to be here. Good,
2: good. I need it now. I need to confess. I'm sitting here thinking about it. Jean was the one who said we need to pray more together. So she gets the credit (laughs) on that. I want people going, Oh, Jim is so wonderful.
1: Jim is wonderful, but we really (laughs) love Jean. (laughs) No, Jean's awesome.
2: Jean is the anchor. But it's true so often, you probably see that too. You know, women they want to feel that connection that way. And I would think typically, but maybe I'm just trying to get myself out of you know <laughs> spiritual jail here, yeah, yeah. but typically I would think the the wife is the one suggesting, why don't we pray more together? Yeah, and... that's
1: certainly what we heard um, before Ooh, I wrote thank this. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're not alone, <laughs> Okay, Jim. good. You're I'm not normal. No, before uh, I did this book, I threw out the question on social media you know, and in my email group, what would you like God to do for your marriage? And it just was interesting to hear people's responses. And you can imagine the different things people wanted, better communication, help handling money, handling conflict, dealing with parents and in-laws, that kind of thing. But one of the things that came up again and again, and it won't surprise you, is that people wanted that deeper intimacy, spiritual intimacy, um, not just with God, but with their spouse in the context of marriage, and wanted, you know, to be able to Um, share that, to pray together, to kind of have that element added to their marriage. Which is so
2: good. Your young son, this is back a few years, I think he may have been (laughs) seven or eight at the time, but he made an observation that first was so funny. I love children (laughs) and how they see the world, but what did your son ask you about marriage?
1: Well, and you'll love this as well, being an athlete, Jim, um, Robbie uh, was seven years old, and by by that time in his life, he'd already been on a dozen different sports teams, soccer (laughs) and lacrosse and football and all these things. And I remember him coming to me one day and he said, Mom, you know, what happens if you go to a bunch of weddings and you never get picked? And I said, (laughs) I I said, Robbie, um, what do you think happens at a wedding? And he said, well, I think, you know, everyone gets dressed up and they go. And then the bride just chooses somebody. And I'm thinking he's he's thinking he's competing for a starting position, right, you know, exactly. he's dressed out. And I said, oh gosh, and that just was a realization to me that it's never too early to start praying about your children's marriage partner. And it's never too early to start praying about your own marriage partner and, and some of the things that you might like to see if, if you're young. Um, And, you know, the the list has become kind of cliche in some circles, right? You meet parents who say, uh, who told me as I was writing this book, you know, my my son was praying for a a girl that would have smooth hair and and white teeth. And some you know and I thought really, you know, Those but are then high, we, standards. high standards, but you know, people are, are are praying and hoping either for themselves or for their children um, for character traits, for a strong faith, for uh, I talked to one young girl, she just wanted somebody who was outgoing because she said she wasn't and she wanted someone who would complete her in that way. And I think hmm. that's great. I really do. I encourage people think about what you would like in a spouse. Or if you're already married, you know, speak to those things you are seeing that are positive in your marriage and your spouse and, and breathe life into those things by affirming them. But I think we make a mistake when we think we can find the one because you get married and immediately you change. You know, I say that college Jody that Robbie fell in love with was way more fun I think than <laughs> newlywed Jody, who was trying to juggle a job and a house, you know, and a, and a new marriage, and then along comes mother Jody and mom Jody. You know, is is less fun because she's yeah. starting to worry, and so I mean, I would say, and they say, what do they say? I've been married to thirty-seven women or thirty-seven men, and they've all been the same person, but yeah. they change all the mm-hmm. time. So I think sometimes um, Stanley Howarbus is I um, I don't know an expert of some kind. I don't know exactly his degree, but. He writes that the challenge in marriage is learning to care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married because you do wake up sometimes hmm. and say, "Wow, well, you know, you've changed. I've changed. We're all changing. So yeah. I think that's really important. You know, I
2: would like to, you know, toss a little bouquet to your son, Robbie, Gene Jean and I met at a wedding. So oh, I'm you glad did? she picked me. She wasn't the bride, <laughs> thankfully, that's but she great. was part of the bride party, you know, there so you know. that worked out there really well. Go. Well, our so. son
1: has a wonderful wife who picked him, so we <laughs> are grateful. Some of that works
2: out at the wedding, <laughs> so that's what's out. amazing. Um, you know, let me ask you this. You're mentioning the multifaceted part of life. You start as a dating your husband, and then you marry, then... Eventually, kids come, and you're a different person in all those settings, obviously. When you got married, what was your prayer life like? And then where did it go? So many times as authors and speakers and communicators, people think, oh, they just had it down. They got it. And it's really not true. And it's so important to debunk that. I mean, you're writing out of experience what didn't work probably, what was causing you maybe some pain or frustration. So just describe that journey uh, from what it was as that first jody to the 37th jody
1: well you know and it's it is continuing to evolve and god is continuing to teach and train and he's so filled with grace which i I so appreciate but um you know i think certainly for robbie and me in our in our shared prayer life that's been a little bit of a, a mountain to climb because as husbands and wives as men and women we approach prayer differently i like to use a prayer journal i'm fond of praying out loud um, he's very good at praying in his head. He's, he doesn't need to write everything down to remember it. And so for us to to have that shared connection, we've had to be kind of intentional and mm-hmm. just say, you know what, let's take my hand and let's just pray about whatever it is that's concerning us. And it might be like for anybody listening who thinks, oh, wow, Jody and Robbie have this deep and intimate, wonderful, long-term prayer life we might pray for three or five minutes about something. And uh, you know I, I have these things on my website that are thirty one day prayer calendars that just have one verse because I'm so all about making prayer doable. And I think sometimes when you just take one verse, like first mm-hmm. thessalonians three twelve says, "May your love increase and overflow for each other." You know, if you're feeling a little tension in your marriage, mm-hmm. maybe you just spit that one out. God, help our love increase and overflow for each other. And you've prayed. You know, so I I think it can be simple like that. In in that
2: way, expectations can be different Mm -hmm, um, at any phase of your marriage, newlywed, midterm, late-term marriage, right? So how do you express those expectations in a way that is helpful, not harmful? You know,
1: expectations are are big things. And for any newlywed or engaged couples who are listening, and, and us oldie weds too, but I just think that you need to leave room um, for the fact that you're coming with different backgrounds. You know, Robbie and I got married, and I had a dad who helped out a lot in the kitchen. He would go... Purchased the groceries. Those he was, fathers. you know, he was, he was, <laughs> and you know, most girls can say, my daddy, you know, a lot right, of girls right. can. And then the poor husband comes in and he doesn't do everything exactly like daddy did or he does it differently. And, wow. and so that definitely created some tension for us. And I'm sure he's thinking the same thing. Hey, you're not getting up early before breakfast, before I get out of bed and have the hot breakfast ready like my mom did, you know. We, so we come in with these different expectations. And I remember talking to the Lord early on saying, can't you fix Robbie? You know, can't you ha- make him more like my dad? <laughs> and um, and it was really um, sweet because God said, Jody, you know what, if you'll just quit nagging and if you will trust me, I can shape him into a husband that is above and beyond anything you could Create or dream up, even if I gave you a blank check, and and he, and I said, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna trust you. And I wish I could say I stopped nagging forever. I didn't, but what God did in that moment as an answer to that prayer, the very next day, and He doesn't always answer prayers this quickly, but the very next day, we'd been married uh, nine months, maybe a year. He walked into the kitchen. He said, "Is there anything I can do to help?" help with dinner. And I you know, i burst into tears, and poor Robbie's probably thinking, wait a minute, I thought you're crying when I'm not helping, and now I'm helping, and you're <laughs> crying. Win. But can't win. But God has just been wonderful in terms of shaping both of us to be the person the other yeah. person needs, and it's not at all like what we expected. I would say it's better.
2: Hmm. Let, let's, uh, on the practical side, mm-hmm. you do mention two different ways you can pray the Scriptures over your yeah. marriage. I want to make sure we capture that to give people yeah. a taste of the right. book and what yeah, you're expressing. Yeah, because not everybody knows what right. praying
1: the Scriptures is. I mean, yeah. you and I have talked about it before, but all it is really is using the Bible not as something you just read, but as something you pray going through, and when you read you know Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God, you can take that and turn it into a prayer prompt. Your mind is racing, your heart is racing, you're worked up about anything, and you can just say, Lord, gosh, help me be still. (laughs) Let me know you are God. So that's what I'm talking about when I say pray the scriptures. And really, it's Jesus's invitation, right? In John 15, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What he's saying there is that the more we abide in Him, the more we dig into Scripture, into His Word, letting it shape our thoughts, our longings, our desires, the more our prayers for our marriage or anything else Mm. are going to start reflecting what God already wants to, what He's already doing, what He wants to do in our lives. So, in praying the Scriptures for your marriage, I looked at answers from those surveys we talked about earlier and came up with 20 different topics that are common to most marriages. and went through these. What, God, what does the Bible say, have to say about handling conflict? What does it have to say about how you relate to your in-laws, how you handle your money, how you walk through a time of suffering or grief or a deep betrayal and infidelity, and then work that. And you can pray the scriptures, as as you asked me, at two ways. One is topically. Like if you pick up the book and you go, I, we need help with some friends. We don't have any good friends. I want to flip to that chapter and find out how we can find those life-giving friends in our lives, how we can become those kind of friends. Let me read the stories there. Look at some some of the discussion questions at the end of the chapter and pray the prayers. Or you don't have to even go that way. You don't even need the book. You can just pick up your Bible and pray through Scripture. And it's not at all topically. It's just, you know, as you're seeing, uh, like I was reading the other day in Mark 6, I think it is, and Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side and the, when he walks out to them later that night, they're straining at the oars, they, the winds is against them. And what I read in that was, okay, they're obeying Jesus, they're doing what he tells them. He says, go to the other side. But it's hard, that obedience, they're in a storm. And I read that and so I pray, Lord, when I'm obeying you and I come up and I feel like the wind's against me, help me trust, help me continue to obey, help me keep pulling at the oars.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
2: Alyssa suffered through 11 years of her husband's addiction, and she feared the worst.
1: After we had called Focus on the Family, that was really the journey where we started to see God moving and working. I know that Focus on the Family was just an answered prayer.
2: I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope. And when you give today, your donation will be doubled. Donate at focusonthefamily.com slash family.
3: If the fights with your spouse have become unbearable, if you feel like you can't take it anymore, there's still hope. Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped thousands of couples like yours. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face them together. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. That's 1-866-875-2915
0: thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance
2: of today's programming. Jody, I'd like to get some examples from you on how to bridge that gap. It may be personality differences, what have you. How does prayer help you accomplish that?
1: Wow. Okay. So um, when you do have these different expectations, different personalities, that can You can rub against each other a little bit, you know, like sandpaper. And and I love Charles Spurgeon said, Conflicts bring experience, and experience brings that growth in grace, which cannot be attained by any other means. Mm. I read that quote, and I thought, you know, it's true that conflict does experience. It can teach us about one another. And over time, you know, I wouldn't say for Robbie and me, it was an instantaneous growing in grace, but we really have seen that growth in grace. And, and you asked about prayer's role in that. And, you know, study after study uh, has been done to show the benefits of prayer, even things that Uh, might not be trotted out in a church or a Bible study, Um, secular research has shown that prayer gives you a higher sense of satisfaction in marriage, a greater sense of emotional well-being. There was an article, I think, in the Wall Street Journal saying even if you're upset or annoyed with your spouse, you know, they were late again, they Uh uh, left the toilet seat up, they did, you know, whatever. It says when you pray together or even pray for your spouse, not with your spouse, that Gives you a chance to calm down. It reinforces the idea that you're on the same team, and I love that idea of remembering that you're on the same team. Before one of our daughters got married, I think it was Virginia, we had all the families together, and we said, um, "All right, you know, between us here, we probably have 150 years of marriage wisdom, or, or maybe maybe 100." Um, get everybody that to weigh in with with what they think. And one of the best pieces of advice came from my son-in-law Jeff. He said. You know, you want to remember when you're in a conflict, it's not about trying to win. You don't want to be the one that's right and have your spouse be the loser because you're a team. And that would be a loss for your team. You want to have not a win for you and a loss for the other person, but you want to look at marriage as remembering you're on the same team and you want to create a win for the team. So how can you work through your conflicts to get to that point of grace, so that it's a win.
2: Yeah. the uh, I was going to touch on this one because it's kind of close to home. I have a friend.
1: I have Asking for a Friend? Yeah. I, have I love asking for a friend. That friend I know questions. really well. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: And this is the one where you share you learned how to pray for your husband when he left dishes in the sink. <laughs> at that one yes. I'm familiar with something yes, like that we must have had a that. guest that talked asking, about that. Before. Asking for <laughs> maybe it's, it's yeah. the laundry again yeah. but this
1: was so good yeah. um this was this was actually um true confession this was my mom who is remarried and my father had died uh, when he was 60 of a brain tumor and mom uh, got remarried and in her new marriage, she noticed that her husband was leaving the dishes in the sink, and it was kind of annoying her. But then she thought back to something that she had seen in or had learned in their premarital counseling. And I love that on a second marriage, when you're uh, 69 years old, that you're going to go to marriage counseling. They did that. You know, we, we're never too old for that. I love it. But she said one of the things that they learned, or they, they'd they seen a, a man talking about how his wife always left the cupboards open in the kitchen. And he went into the kitchen. It would bug him day after day. But then he said, you know, I wonder how long it takes me to close the cupboards. And and he realized it took him no time at all. So instead of letting that be such an irritation that could build up, he just closed the cupboards. And so she said, you know, I'm going to time myself to see how long it takes me to load the dishwasher instead of being mad at John. And she went and she said it took her 13 seconds. And she said 13 seconds to put his dishes in the dishwasher And she said, now, instead of using those things as as an annoyance, I look at them and I say, I have 13 seconds to do something for him. And not only that, I'm going to use those 13 seconds to pray for his day. Mm -hmm. So she uses that as a trigger to pray. And I love that. It changes the whole climate from being an annoyance to being a, a time when marriage can flourish. Uh, you discovered
2: that you needed to be more emotionally aware one day. Oh, when Taking a test with all Robbie. You pulled the dirt yeah, out, I'm, didn't you? You know, this is what we love about <laughs> authors that bear their soul. Yeah, you wrote it. Yeah, yeah
1: you wrote it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but it, was it like an assessment, a perspective? We a, were, this is the worst part. We were teaching a marriage class. Robbie <laughs> this and is I. Even better. Yeah, Robbie and I used to do that. And as part of. Teaching it, you know, we thought as the instructors we ought to do all the exercises that are in the material, and one of them was this thing where you rate your spouse on twenty different topics, and you give them a zero to four or five whether they do it poorly or well, and then you exchange your answers. And we got to the part where we're going over what each other said, and I said, Robbie, you gave me a zero, and the the question was, in how well does my spouse meet my emotional needs? And I was like, a zero? And he said, yeah, you don't meet my emotional needs. I said, Robbie, I didn't know you had emotional needs. <laughs> I was like, you are the steadiest person I've ever met. And he is. That is uh, you know, one of my favorite attributes of Robbie. It's hard to ruffle him. He doesn't go high and low and all over the place like I do. He's so steady. But I didn't know that he had emotional needs. But that was one of those things that I learned you know that that was and I think that's in the chapter on protecting your marriage the things that we have to do because you know it's a lot easier to prevent a crisis in a marriage than it is to um recover from one it's easier to build a strong marriage than it is to repair a broken one and I think if we take those little steps to be able to assess you know oh I didn't know you had emotional needs what can I do to support you To um, understand what those are, how can I live in such a way that honors that? That can help protect your marriage and to build a stronger marriage from the get-go. That's really good.
2: I give both of you credit because that uh, you know a lot of us guys behind the scenes say. Robbie, what are you thinking? You got to score that a seven, not a five. But the honesty to do that. And then, zero, your, yeah. then your response yeah. to be able to ask the right questions, to yeah. say, okay, what's going on here? Well,
1: I didn't want a zero. No wife wants to score a zero. Yeah.
2: Now, did you have a frying
1: pan in your hand when you were? No, I love the old, you know, whenever I talk to my wife, I hold her hands and we're like, yes, yeah, that's so what she can't hit you, yeah, right?
2: right. <laughs> but that's good. I think that's a good dynamic discussion yeah. about yeah. something. Because you made an assumption, yeah. and yeah. It, he still needs that kind of affirmation. You know, and I think
1: it doesn't matter how long you've been married. Going back and asking some of those questions. Because we change, don't we? You we know, do. and yeah. uh, even those, even those love languages—something that might have been your love language when you were newlywed—I really want physical touch and quality time together. Maybe you know, twenty years down the road, you want some acts of service. It's sure. good to keep re- revisiting those tools. Uh, we're
2: down to the end now, but I do want to ask one more question, and we'll come back next time and and ask more questions about how prayer can strengthen your marriage and how to yeah. do it effectively together. Uh, this last question: How does prayer help? Uh, bond you closer to your husband, and how does it protect your marriage? And I, I think mm-hmm. in the context for me, you know, we're always dealing with issues within marriage, yeah. but the whole concept of how God has constructed us, yeah. body, yeah. soul, and spirit. And so when you talk about physical intimacy, right. that's important. Right. Right. But spiritual and emotional sure. intimacy, I'm learning from Jean, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. is really right. important. Yeah. And sometimes that can be such a... A valley for a lot of spouses, for a lot of women yeah. particularly, yeah, because they don't feel like they're getting that closeness. But prayer can help.
1: Prayer can help. Prayer really does open the door to that intimacy, and I think it helps. As we talked earlier, um, you know, because there are going to be times when we can't love each other well, and by inviting God into that conversation, that just allows Him to go to work on both of our hearts to join us together. But you know, Jim. I tell you i heard over and over again what if my spouse doesn't want to pray with me you know Mm. what if i'm married to a non-believer what if i'm married to somebody for whom that feels awkward unfamiliar do what works do what works and when we used to teach the marriage courses one of the things we told people was if if your spouse isn't comfortable praying together maybe start with the question um what can i do to support you how can i let you know you are loved. And that too can open that door to intimacy. It can lead to an environment where maybe prayer does become something that um, feels more doable, more familiar. But honestly, Malachi 3.16, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, those who honored the Lord, those who feared the Lord, talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. And I think that in the context of marriage and in other human relationships, as we are coming together, as we're talking to one another, how can I support you? How can I let you know you're loved? God's listening in on those conversations, and I think that he might even receive those as prayers. So we might not be intentionally saying, okay, bow your head, we're going to pray. But as we're talking about ways we can grow in love, we can grow in support, we can reflect this covenant of love that God loved us first, and we're only loving because he loved us, I think he can receive that as a prayer, and I think God can work in our marriages.
2: Uh, Jody, this has been so good, and what a great reminder to pray together for let me go back to the original stat. I said that the uh, divorce rate within people who pray together is like one percent, so it 's a wonderful way to keep your marriage healthy Mm -hmm. and to keep moving in the right direction, seeking wisdom from the Lord in your marriage. It lessens the friction in your marriage, which is always good. And I'm looking forward to coming back next time and talking more about this. Can we do that?
1: Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, lots more to unpack.
2: Let's do it. And uh, boy, what else can I say? You need to get a copy of this book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage. In addition to that, we can send you these great little conversation cards that will come with the bundle and so uh, for us husbands that may need a little assistance in moving in that emotional direction, I think it's great. I'm going to take them home tonight, and Gene <laughs> and I will start. Boy, am I a high achiever! We're going to go through every one of them. It's going to be a win for you, Gene. It's going to be a win. Well, it's true though. But and sometimes you know, men, you need to grab them by the cheeks and just say, "Okay, this would be something we need to do." And I kind of got a feeling this will be it.
1: Well, and they also come each card with conversation starter questions, but each one has one little prayer you can pray. So for that spouse who's like, I don't know how to do this, yeah. you know, it just, it's, it's right really on the good card. To do.
2: So get in touch with us if you can make a, a donation of any amount to help support the ministry, which really means helping marriages stay together, helping parents save a baby's life. There's so many good things going on here that when you give a dollar, each and every dollar goes to all those things. So uh, thank you for supporting the ministry in that way and being a part of the team. And by the way, at Jody's website, uh, you can also find these cards. Uh, You can maybe
0: print out one or two and start right away, like Jim is tonight, uh, talking (laughs) about those cards and then praying together. Again, you'll find those details at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we continue the conversation with Jody Berndt and, once again, help you and your family thrive in Christ. to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Celebrate a lifelong love this holiday season with a special edition print created just for you by award-winning artist Morgan Weisling. A Lasting Love honors the enduring love and generational impact of marriage, which captures a sweet moment between a couple leaving church set in the Pioneer West. See it and get your copy of A Lasting Love at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash print. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash print.
1: So we might not be intentionally saying okay bow your head we're going to pray but as we're talking about ways we can grow in love we can grow in support we can reflect this covenant of love that god loved us first and we're only loving because he loved us i think he can receive that as a prayer and i think god can work in our marriages
0: this is focus on the family with jim daly and our guest today is jody burnt describing ways that you can pray more frequently and more effectively In your marriage. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller.
2: John, it's so great to have Jody back. Uh, We had a wonderful conversation last time. Uh, We discussed how praying the scriptures for your spouse is a vital element to your marriage. I think even within the Christian community, we don't value it as much as we need to. Uh, We touched on how to do that when personalities are different. You know, you have introvert, extrovert, Maybe the husband's a little uncomfortable, maybe the wife's a little uncomfortable, whatever it might be, and she gave some great examples of how to work through that and and still pray together. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we're going to discuss how to pray over your finances, your service to one another. Let me say that again to the husbands, your service to one another. <laughs> And uh, also praying through both the joys and the trials that come into life. It's going to be a great discussion. It will be. And if you missed part one, uh, stop by our website. We've got the link in the
0: show notes, and you can find out uh, more about it. You can watch it right here on YouTube, or you can uh, download the podcast and listen uh, through your podcast app. Jody Burnt is a public speaker, a Bible teacher, and the author of uh, a best-selling series of books, Praying the Scriptures. And she's added to that series with a brand new book called Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage. It's a very practical, uh, scripture-infused book, and a lot of great marriage advice along the way as well. You can find out more about Jody and her
2: books at our website, or uh, give us a call. Jody, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's good to
2: have you. And uh, okay, so we kind of said what we're going to do today. So let's get into it. Can't wait. When we, one of the big responses we receive here, at focus on the family with marriage difficulty, are the finances. Yes. You know, there's sometimes uh, there's not enough, and we get that. And sometimes it's mismanagement. Somebody is medicating through buying a lot, mm-hmm. um, whatever it might be, but. Uh, let me just ask you, uh, I think you had a friend that you mentioned in the book uh, who I think saw her dream house and something went wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. They had moved to a new town, and she was fine with moving. It was a job move for her husband. And she got there, and she was really excited when she found what was, she thought, their dream house. And he looked at it and said, you know, we can't even consider that. That is a." Uh, Too showy. It 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 wasn't even a budget thing. He just thought we shouldn't live in that fancy of a house that would look proud. And she Mm. thought, Wow, it's everything I ever dreamed of in a house. And that created real conflict for them. As and she found herself taken it to the Lord, not in a, a humble, sweet prayer, but in an angry prayer. And, you know, God can handle those prayers, right? And, and sure. she's she's saying, why is he being – and she used the word ogre. She said, why is he being such an ogre? Um, why is my husband not understanding how much his house means to me? And so the two of them had to really work through that. But um, what was so neat in their marriage was that they really valued unity, um, uh, unity in their, in their decision-making and she thought to herself if we're not united on the purchase of this house i don't want to press it through that's never going to be a a good outcome right
2: the difficulty there though is not letting that bitterness build up whatever it might be other couples it may not be a house that one of you really wanted to buy and the other right. didn't. Right. But it could be a car, it could be other things, you know, Christmas presents. Jean and I, we, you know, right. we tend to spend a lot at Christmas and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's something we'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, typically, it's my f- pouty face <laughs> that she you know. gives it away. <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, huh, ah, okay. But, you know, she loves to bless the kids and friends and yeah. things like that. And it's a good thing. there's nothing
1: wrong with that. You know, you you probably know I used to write books for Ron Blue. He was kind of Dave, <laughs> Dave Ramsey before there was right, Dave yeah. Ramsey. Finance and, guy. and Robbie thinks that's just the greatest joke from the Lord in the world because uh, I don't know a whole lot about money management. But thanks to that writing, I, I learned stuff. And one of the things I, I learned was that money's just money. You know, it's... It's a tool to be used for other things. And so the question we need to ask ourselves in our marriages as we're considering, all right, how much are we spending on Christmas gifts? What kind of house are we living in? What sort of vacations we take? All of that stuff is just, are we using our money, our tool, the way God wants us to? You know, who are we ultimately serving? Are we serving ourselves? Are we serving, you know, other people? Are we serving the Lord? Because honestly, buying a new pair of sneakers can be a spiritual decision, just like tithing, because it's money. You know, we all live in a world, right, where there are limited resources to spend on unlimited needs and wants, so everything becomes a, a spending and a spiritual decision when we look at it that oh, way. Some of these
2: sneakers are ridiculous. Yeah,
1: that <laughs> is, just true. that, that way. is a little mortgage yeah. payment I'm not isn't it? No sometimes four
2: hundred thousand dollars on <laughs> You're right. Sneakers, Maybe that's you know? not the
1: best example. <laughs> no kidding. Um,
2: the big thing is how can praying for our spouse help us with those financial decisions? I think that's a really yeah. good thing. Gene and I have been pretty good with that. Yeah. If there's a big Big thing, yeah. maybe not as strong on the smaller right. things. Ironically, right. now that I think about it, yeah. but speak to the power of prayer when it comes well, to financial yeah. and, decision making. And backing making. up a little
1: bit from that too is you do have different, um, different desires a lot of times. And when Robbie and I were. Uh, younger, we used an envelope system of, yeah, of you know what 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 cash goes in where, and um, we also said to one another, and this was a million years ago, but that any decision under fifty dollars we didn't have to be in unity for; we could just get what we wanted uh, on that, and bigger than that we should talk about it. I am sure today's couples might have a higher limit than that, but but for us that's what it was. But when there was time where there was tension, where one of us thought, okay, we should buy this, and the other one didn't, um, prayer really was a way for us to be humble, to say, you know, not my will, not even his will, but thy will, Lord, and, and bring us into uh, unity, bring us into understanding. And you never lose when you give time. And yeah. sometimes stepping back and praying. And Robbie, I, I'm i always the one that thinks we're never going to find a great deal as this. We got to act now. And he says, there will always be another deal. Let's step back and seek God. Let's get in unity with each other. And that's been a real barometer for our decision-making.
2: I'm laughing because that sounds just like me. You and I purchase <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of the same way. We would way.
1: be broke. Yeah, why,
2: <laughs> why wait when you can have a super-duper refrigerator right now? <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Thanks be to God for Gene and Robbie.
2: <laughs> Anchors in decision-making. Uh, let's move to another topic now. Uh, this is really, everybody's going to go, uh-huh, turn mm-hmm. the radio or whatever up, YouTube, and the issue is submission. Ready for the organ music? Dun, 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 dun. dun. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, The idea of submission is so touchy in our culture today. And uh, I guess the question is, how have you wrestled with yielding Mm. your desires to uh, Robbie when there's a tiebreaker kind of thing? And maybe, I don't know if there's a a deep theological way to manage that, but even saying that feels a little uncomfortable. Like you've got, if it's just a 50-50 thing, who's got the call?
1: Wow. And is it that simple? Well, you know, for us, um, and I I agree with you, that is a lightning rod word, and a lot (laughs) of times people read that Ephesians 5 passage, which, you know, is the classic New Testament passage on husbands and wives and how we are to live, and people will start with that verse 22 saying, wives, you know, submit to your husbands. I think we need to back it way up to the beginning of that chapter, and this has been the thing that has come in working on this book, the thing that has come so alive to me is the gift that we have when we walk in love, Ephesians 5, 2, giving ourselves up for one another just like Christ gave himself up for us that opens the door. And Mm -hmm. then Ephesians uh, 5.16 says, make the most of every opportunity. And in marriage, don't we have a hundred opportunities every day to submit to one another, to yield our rights, whether it's, I'm going to the movie I don't want to see because he really wants to see it. He's coming to the office party or the family function that he might not want to go to because I've asked him to come. You know, we... We just have a hundred chances to to make the most of every opportunity. Again, Ephesians five sixteen, to submit to one another. That's verse twenty-one. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I was thinking all of these things over and over again. Um and 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 I love Paul tucks in Ephesians five, verse eighteen says, Be filled with the Spirit, because those times when we cannot do it, we can't give ourselves up for the other person. Our will is just too strong, our desires, our selfishness is too strong. But when we are filled with the Spirit, that makes it possible. The Holy Spirit can work in us the things we don't even want to do. And it is just the coolest thing to me. Paul writes that you know, marriage is a profound mystery. It's a reflection of Christ's love for the church. And as we do that, as we partner uh, with the Lord, really, as we share in that fellowship of mutual submission, We get to see um, love grow, love flourish. That creates a climate where marriages can thrive through this mutual surrender and submission. This, again, looking not to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And you know what's so cool? Secular research has supported this. It creates researchers at the National Marriage Project. That is something out of UVA, which, of course, I love being a UVA alum. But um, (laughs) they have found that when we intentionally do things for our spouse, whether it's something small like bringing a cup of coffee in the morning or something larger, um, when we do that consistently over time, it creates what they call an upward spiral of generosity, a climate in which love can flourish. Mm. And isn't that a cool thought? I mean, because that's, that's research that's not biblically based. It's biblically mandated, but you, know, you don't have to be reading your Bible to realize what doing something for someone else over time can create for them the desire to bless you in return.
2: Well, and I so appreciate the the preface that you gave there, that if you look up in Ephesians, yes. there's a lot more about you what both of you have to with do. verse
1: 22. But, you know,
2: there are the ogres, and you just go to a verse that fits your temperament, and this is what it is. Yeah. That's why I think it's such a you know, inflammatory yeah. area. Yeah, it's definitely if inflammatory. it's if it's done well, mm-hmm. it, it's not a matchstick. Right, it's not going to light gasoline on fire. Right, and that's where we got to get to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and you know, you and I both know we're not talking about the wife submitting to the emotionally or physically abusive husband. You know, none of that. That is not what Paul's talking about here. Not
2: at all, not at all. So hopefully the church can get healthier and healthier in that area. Uh, In fact, one exercise that you and Robbie came up with it was to do a little competition where you can outserve each other. <laughs> oh yeah, being competitive, I like this idea. Yes, well
1: he's competitive I mean, too. Keep score,
2: yeah. you know, what's yeah. the score like? Yeah. One thousand six hundred eighty to what? Know,
1: if if we had to point to one, like. Nugget that we would say was so formative in our newlywed years. We heard Dr. Tony Evans speak, and he said that he and his wife had made this commitment to try to serve one another, and it became kind of a game, and then it escalated to a competition. and he, Tony got frustrated because he said his wife was so much better and so much more creative <laughs> at coming up with things that she could do for him. That he said she was out serving me, and he had to like think of ways to catch up. and Robbie and I really took. took that to heart. Um, And he would even say for him, which I am such a beneficiary of, that those acts of service, uh, those choices, created in him a cherishing. Like he actually began to, it moved from just being kind or serving to really cherishing me. And, you know, as the recipient of that, you just can't even imagine what it, what it feels like to know that your partner is, is cherishing you. But that's what those little acts of service can lead to.
2: That's really good.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
3: Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a hope-restored marriage intensive. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915 your marriage is worth fixing. No matter how deep the wounds are, take a step toward healing them. Get biblically-based counseling with a Hope Restored Intensive. Call us at 1-866-875-2915.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with
2: the balance of today's programming. Um, let's move into suffering and grief oh, okay. and cover. This yeah. is a heavier topic, yeah, not as jovial, um, but it's important yes. that we talk about it. Um, when you first married Robbie, how did you view storms that would come into your life?
1: Well, we didn't think there was going to be storms when we first got well, married, right. you know? And then how prayer
2: was incorporated <laughs> right. into that yeah. later. But
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, when Robbie and I got married, you sit there, right? And you're, you're standing at the altar and you're, you're reciting those vows to uh love and to cherish till death do you part for better for worse for richer for poorer all these you know opposite sides of the same marriage coin and you think to yourself what it what about you know better or worse there's there's nothing worse we're in love we're all dressed up the sun is shining our friends are here marriage is going to be awesome and then life happens and you hit some hard things and I'll tell you um a couple chapters in the book really were hard to write. I interviewed people who uh in one case her husband had started cheating on her during their honeymoon oh my and goodness. then you know it continued through their marriage and she felt like as a good Christian woman she needed to stick it out um and I don't want to blow the whole story but that is a story where the presence of the Lord walking with her and equipping her to forgive they did wind up getting divorced um and he actually wound up getting sick, and, and she was able to care for him in wow. that time of sickness, which was just amazing. But then in another, another couple went through a season where um, they lost a child. Mm. And as you know, that can derail a marriage. Even the strongest marriages can begin to crumple under the pressure of that. So there are storms that we don't see coming, and um, I think the only way we get through that is with prayer and with inviting God's presence into the mix. Because there's not an easy answer. You can't say, why did he cheat? Why did our child have to die? Why did we have three years of separation and hatred? We don't have easy answers for that. But when we have um, over and over again, as I interviewed people, the thing that got them through those storms, those rocky times, was the comfort of God's presence. Mm
2: -hmm. Jody, in that regard, um, we haven't touched on this last time or this time, but just you know, the exercise of praying. For some people, they feel it has to be a formal kind of thing. You know, yeah. people that lean toward more liturgy in their church, sure. more formality yeah. in their church. That can be kind of intimidating. I'm not a priest. I'm not a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I sure that. that I could do that.
1: Jim, I hear that all the time. And
2: then, you know, th- yeah. th- the real thing is he reminds us that he's our Abba Father. He's right. our daddy. Right. And that he wants us to talk to him like you would your earthly father he in a good way, a
1: loving relationship. Wants us to talk to him. And the Bible says he bends down to listen. You know, he delights in hearing our prayers. He commands us to pray. I do talk to people, though, when I, you know, 70, 80 year old women who come up to me and they say, I've been in church my whole life, but nobody's ever taught me to pray. It has felt like what the minister does, it has felt like what we read out of the book. I know the Lord's prayer, but how do you go beyond that? Yeah. And again, I go back to that John 15, Jesus saying, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish. He's like, Yeah, use the words that I've given you first in scripture and use them to shape your prayers. Talk to me. And the other thing I talk to people, they say, Yeah, but, you know, Jody, you're just talking about somebody losing a child, somebody whose husband cheated. On. I just, I'm just frustrated that my husband, you know, leaves his shirt on the floor, or whatever. I don't want to pray about that. That's just too petty, trivial. that's too trivial. I had one lady say to me, I don't want to be clogging the lines when somebody with something really big is trying to get through to God. Mm. And I think God, we, we can't look at God as though he has this limited bandwidth that he can only hit three, you know, 10 topics a day or 10 people a day. He delights in the details of our lives. He's the God who knows the hairs of our head, right? Yeah. The number. So we can come to him with anything. And, he's, and he tells us to. He yeah. loves that.
2: I'm thinking of that like a simple definition of prayer is... Simply to talk to God
1: absolutely that's what
2: it is. Prayer it's is not complicated, yeah. and it shouldn't be complicated because yeah. God wants to commune with us throughout the day, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, just not like just... we do with our own children, right yeah. we love it right. when, when they talk to us, you it's know a great we analogy. really do um,
2: before we move off of this uh, suffering and grief because that can come in so many ways, powerful sure. ways that you just talked about loss of a child, uh, infidelity in marriage. Unbelieving spouse. Sometimes, you know, on the broadcast here, we're not including that person. Um, And I've, you know, we have had a couple of women that joined us on the broadcast. You can go through the library and look at that and listen on your smartphone. But they spoke about being uh, married to unbelieving spouses. And there can be grief with that. There's always hope. But especially in this area of praying together, it's a very different thing when you're married to an unbelieving spouse. Maybe a delightful person.
1: Right. Yeah. but they
2: just don't believe yeah. in yeah. Jesus. Yeah, and I
1: actually talked to a woman about that very thing for the book. It's a chapter called Trusting God with Your Differences with Your Faith Differences because, you know, believing spouse or not, we will have faith differences. But if your spouse isn't a believer, and again, I mean, it can move into the almost funny sometimes and it's not funny, but I interviewed one gal who was like, "I bought my husband a bible with his monogram on it I got him a devotional that had a golfer on the cover cuz he likes to golf I left the email addresses you know for all the men in our church that I thought he should be friends with around you know, tr- these wives and we wives do this we want to create the greenhouse environment in which we think our our husbands faith can flourish and then you know finally this lady you know she didn't drink her husband loved to have a bourbon at night all everything she looked at in his faith seemed to be Like he was on the JV and she was the varsity and and she didn't like that. And finally one day he looked at her and he said, why do you think your relationship with God is so much better than mine? And she said, you know, that really stopped her in her tracks because she thought to herself, um, it's kind of arrogant of me to assume that my way of worship, my way of knowing the Lord, my way of praying is right and my husband's is wrong. Now, in her case, he was a believer. He just wasn't uh, a believer of, of her exact stripe and maybe as not as spiritually mature. But I think whether your spouse is a believer and isn't praying the way you want or they're an unbeliever, over and over again, we see in scripture verses like in Romans where it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And so often we can look at our spouse and we can be saying, Holy Spirit, convict him. Or "I wanna, I want to argue him into it. We're not going to win our spouse with conviction and argument. We're going to win with love and with kindness, mm-hmm. right. you know, and, and with winning. It's so that true. Way. And yeah. the same
2: application is there for parenting. I mean, uh, so often, okay. if you're fearful and in your high control mode, you have the potential, especially with your teenagers to kind of push them in the the very direction you don't want them to go yeah, because yeah. you're and it it's similar to what you were just saying yeah. if you're going to argue him right, or her right. into something right. Well, try that with a 14, 15 year old. Yeah. You're going to argue them into doing their yeah. things. Absolutely. And it, you know, we
1: know that Proverbs 18, I think it's verse 21 words kill, words give life. They're poison or fruit. You choose. And as we want to speak these life giving words in our marriages, just like, as you're saying with a teenager, with a child, you know, when you're saying, hey, I love the way you did this. That you watch a child blossom in that, whereas when you criticize, it, they kind of shrink up. And it's the same with our marriages. We want to affirm the good things we see in how, our spouses.
2: How does prayer, again, with your spouse, how does that affect your kids? And how do you include your kids in yeah. praying? You know, at a little age, it's yeah. pretty obvious. Right. But as they get older, they may have less interest and they're on their own journey now. Yeah. How, how did you and Robbie work in the kids to prayer time?
1: Well, you know, I'd love to say we had these fabulous family devotions where everyone came with their Bible and we sat for half an hour. And and there was angelic music playing. Yeah, I would love to say that. No, it was more like we would hear the bus coming up the street to the cul-de-sac and you could hear the up the hill and somebody would yell bus and we'd gather at at the front door and, you know, have a quick... chaos. Yeah, we'd have, you know, somebody's looking for their permission slip, their shoe, whatever. And we would just take a moment there to just speak a prayer over them as they walked out the door. You know, maybe it might be... Be uh, let your presence go with them today, Lord, or fill them with joy. Any of those things, be, let them be a blessing. And it might be as something as short as that. Then, as yeah. they as they got older and could be a little more responsible, we might say, "Hey, come to the breakfast table. You know, we're gonna have five minutes. We're gonna consider this passage or this verse or this little you know devotional book, whatever it is." Um, but in terms of our own marriage. Um, I think it really created for our children um, a sense of security and a sense of stability to see us prioritizing prayer again, even if it was just for a few minutes. And that might mean that the kids' needs had to wait. And I think there is something kind of magical in parenting when you put your kids on hold for a time so that you can focus on one another, so that you can have that spiritual intimacy with the Lord. We might worry that, oh, no, they're going to feel ignored. They're going to feel left out. They're going to feel neglected. And what science is showing is that that actually creates a stable and secure family environment because the kids feel secure saying, wow, mom and dad love each other. And not only that, but they may be fallible because they're human and our kids know we're fallible, but they have a higher power and authority that they can tap into. So they see that, that we are, you know, we know we don't have all the answers. And when they see us looking to the Lord for those answers that creates a framework and a structure in which their own spiritual lives can flourish
2: that's really good um in that context um, leaving that lasting legacy the broad paintbrush stroke of that when you and robbie look back now your kids are older um, what kind of legacy does praying with your spouse leave for your family
1: well you know God's word never comes back empty. Isaiah 55 says it always accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. And I think that there will be answers that we don't even see unfold as they continue to unfold over time. Um, And another thing, Jim, we didn't really talk about, but I want our kids to know God is fun. I want them to know Prayer is fun, you know. Yeah. We, we can put it in this box like it's our holy side. And and in the book, we start each chapter uh, uh, with a joke instead of with a <laughs> prayer verse, just because because I want to I want to lighten up. There, let you started uh, yesterday's show saying you know prayer is work and marriage is work and things are work. And yeah, we all know we have to work at marriage, all that. But it's also fun. Yeah. And and I just want to let everyone know who's listening, you know. This is a joy and a delight. It's meant to it's meant to be that.
2: I can't wait to really experience the humor God has. Because I think it's <laughs> abounding. Yeah. Jody, this has been so good and I hope people will get a copy of the book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage. You know, again, last time we made that statement that the research shows that one percent roughly of people who pray together ever get divorced. So it it's really a meaningful Deeply meaningful thing to do, not for the benefit of that, but it develops that intimacy that so many couples are starving for. You know, you have physical intimacy in a marriage, but that emotional and spiritual intimacy, what is the bed of that? It's prayer. Amen. That's where you come mm-hmm. and meet the Lord and you spend time together. Uh, praying for one another, yeah. loving one another. I just, I he think is this is love. so. I mean, yeah. why
1: wouldn't we we go to the one who is love himself and right. and ask him to animate so it's our marriage?
2: So important. And I want you to get a copy of this book. And uh, when you support the ministry here at Focus, if you can make a monthly gift like Gene and I and John and Dina do, mm-hmm. um, you know that's great. It helps even out the flat spots for the budget. Uh, but a one-time gift is good too. Either way, we'll send you a copy of the book along with a copy of these conversation starter cards that I read earlier. Um, it, just a great way to start the conversation about prayer and the impact on our family. So get both when you contact us here at Focus on the Family.
0: Yeah, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Or stop by our website for further details. It's focusonthefamily.com
2: slash broadcast. Jody, thanks again for being with us. This is really, really good.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Loved our conversation.
2: On behalf of Jim Daly
0: and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.